How's it going, everybody, and welcome to episode 102 of Master My Garden Podcast. Now, this week, we're back to our uh, guest interviews, I guess. So I have been doing, as you know, uh, on the run-up to episode 100, quite a few solo episodes. So back to the guest interviews today, and I'm really excited about this one. I'm joined today by Leonia Cornelius, who's a garden designer, a writer, a course creator, and uh, who's just created a new course that we're going to talk about. And uh, I suppose there's lots of things to talk about within it. Her garden design business, uh, Wild Eden, is a garden design business and the style of it looks really interesting to me. And her tagline on her website looks really interesting and it's something that I'd like to delve into. It's called, it's Wild Eden, but the tagline says, we create moments of joy. Uh, so that's moments of joy in your in your garden. And I like the sound of that. And it's something that we're, we're going to delve into a little bit further. So Leonie, you're very, very welcome to Master My Garden Podcast. Hi, John. How are you? Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's uh, as I say, we have lots to talk about. Um, yeah. uh, you're based up in Leitrim and you have thriving garden design business. You're a writer. You're, you have a book called Dream Gardens. You're doing regular pieces with the Irish Country Living magazine and Indepe- Irish Independent and so on. Mm-hmm. And you have a newly, newly released course. So we have lots to talk about. But maybe just before we get into it, to set the scene, tell us a little bit about how you started in gardening, how you ended up on this path where you are now. Well, initially, um, I actually studied interior architecture um, and uh, here in the IT in, in Sligo. And um, just when I, when I graduated at the time, uh, the crash happened and there was very few jobs out there. A lot of people were losing their jobs, even in architecture and everything. So I studied for five years and I had no work. Um, and I thought, you know, how, what, what am I going to do with this degree? Um, yeah. which was, you know, very structural and very, you know, something I was really, really interested in. And, uh, my mother suggested to combine it with garden design because the two go clever. very much hand in hand, you know, the, the structural yeah. side of things and softening it with plants. So, um, I decided to study that in London, um, at KLC, um, which is in Chelsea Harbor and to combine the two. And um, I think three years after that, I uh, started with my own business. And again, I was at a point where I was like, well, okay, now I have a business. Now I've set up, uh, you know, I've, I've done my start your own business courses and I've, I've set up a website and I've done all of that, but I have no clients. How do I <laughs> make clients aware of me? Yeah. Um, and at the time I saw on Twitter that there was a call out for a show called Super Garden. And I was like, hmm, well, that'd be a good way of getting to a lot of clients. Yeah, I'd actually do well on it, but I kind of didn't really think about that too much, and I just went for that, and I got on that show. So that was the. Wow, start. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. St- you were on on Supergarden. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that was a long time ago. Very um, good. That was in 2012, um, and I went on to win that and to get best in category at Bloom at the time. So that was, I think it was what? What is it? Two hundred thousand people over five days. So it went from absolutely nothing from just, you know, where am I going to get clients to explosive amounts of clients. Suddenly, Brilliant. You know, which Brilliant. is fantastic. Um, and then, of course, I went on to do the, the mentoring and the judging on the show um, over a couple of years as well, which is great fun. Yeah. How did you find that? The tables yeah, it was turned. great. Yeah. It was, it was very, it was a brilliant experience, you know, traveling around all the different gardens all around Ireland and um, meeting all the different designers and then seeing, 
you know, choosing in the end as as a judge um, for what he's choosing with the other judges who who would take it to Bloom and seeing what what would work well as a show garden at Bloom and stuff. So it was a lovely progression um, from having done it myself to right. you know being excited about somebody else doing it and showcasing their work as well. Brilliant. Um, your garden design element, and correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong here, it seems to have evolved a little bit and changed to. Mm-hmm. I won't say wild gardening, but a more natural style. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Or is that has that been your style kind of all through? Well, it's funny. I think, you know, I touched on the architecture side of things. I'm originally German. Um, and I think that side of me is very um, architectural and, you know, the influence of, of German architecture, quite industrial and glass and concrete. So that's a big part of who, who I am as a designer as well. But I've always had a big interest in you know, the more, the softer, wilder landscape. Um, and I think you're right. You've picked up on, on the fact that it has become a little bit even more natural over time in how I would approach things now. But I think that's almost a natural progression of where we've, you know, the things we've gone through in the past couple of years as well. Yeah. Um, particularly with, you know, what, what our psychological needs are from our spaces. We need a bit of that injection of wild in our spaces. Too, too much structure, too much, um, you know, hard landscaping. We don't want that. We need the softness. We need nature. We need to bring that into our lives um, because we've we've all learned how important that is over the past couple of years with COVID. Particularly, um, our spaces have taken on a completely different meaning to us. You know. Yeah, it's funny because uh, in episode one hundred, which was a sort of a celebration episode, and I brought on a couple of long term listeners onto that. I was speaking to Imelda uh, Morris, who is based in France, Mm -hmm. and her story is a little bit, I can see the parallels in it. Basically, she moved into, in the 1980s, moved into a a house with very, very good, but very manicured gardens, and that wasn't Mm -hmm. her style. And essentially what she was saying was that manicured, um, that manicured style garden almost caused her a bit of stress in that it was, you know, it wasn't her style and it wasn't mm-hmm. the way she wanted her garden to be. She mm-hmm. she said she didn't have the skills or, I guess, the time to keep it that way. And she wanted to bring it back to a more natural st- style. Yeah. And I think that's, there's a growing move that way, I think, away from the real formal. I the formal probably, so, yeah. it probably still has a place in, in certain settings, but I think for, for a lot of gardens, there is a little bit of a move away from that um, manicured look to a more softer landscaping. Definitely. And you can see a lot of that happening in, um, I recently saw Tom Stewart-Smith, um, one of his projects online as well, is, or on his Instagram page, he was showcasing a, a garden that he was rewilding. And it was a very, you know, structural, clear, you know, pool, an L-shaped pool. And just his ideas for, for rewilding and reclaiming that land and bringing biodiversity back into it. And I think... As garden designers, we have a bit of a um, a responsibility to think about that because, yeah. you know, the more hard landscaping you get, the more box hedging you're adding, you know, the less pollinators we have in a garden, the less wildness we have in a garden, the more, first of all, the, um, the, the owner is going to go, oh, I have to go out and cut that. I have to maintain mm-hmm. that. I have to make sure it's perfect. And also, the, the you know, the worse it is for, for biodiversity. So um, the last thing you want is your clients looking at the garden that you've designed for them going, oh, I don't, I can't believe I have to do this again. <laughs> you know, you want yeah. them to go, I'm 
looking forward so much to going out there and looking at those seed heads that I don't need to cut. Um, and, you know, then then they don't feel that stress of having to do something, um, but they want yeah. to do it instead. It's also not natural, I guess, that that like a, that manicured style. Mm. If if you're if you're going to keep a garden in that in that form, you really are. You're fighting all the time back against nature, I guess, yeah. uh, to to bring it back to the style that it is that you're trying to keep, which is which is always a difficult job when you're when you're pushing back against, I suppose, growth and 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 nature generally. It's a very interesting question because it is, um, you know, th- there's a balance between human interaction and nature. So, you know, how much do we impose ourselves on nature and how much do we allow it to inspire us? And I think it's not a radical this or that. It's the exact opposite. It's that balance and meeting in the middle and maybe having a little bit of that structure because we we, we do crave structure as humans. We do want to frame views with something we've created. We, yeah. we might want to put in a surrounding hedge, which is nicely clipped in order to highlight the wild perennial planting beyond, but to find that balance and not to to bring it so far that we're we're wrecking our own heads, and yeah. also not to you know let it go so wild that we can't enjoy the space anymore. Um, so finding that balance, I think, is really important. Yeah, for sure. Uh, does you're, you're living in Leitrim, and does the, the does the landscape up there influence you in any way? It is absolutely. You know, generally a wilder. As you as you go up towards towards north and up yeah. up into Donegal, and that it's a wilder type of you know, hills mm-hmm. and so on. So does that influence you much? Absolutely. And like I I came here when I was seven from Germany, and I'll never forget coming into this landscape and just thinking, wow, this is paradise. You yeah. know, the the textures, the colours, the light, the rainbows, and of course the rainbows are, are linked to rain. <laughs> Um, but that you know sun rain sun rain and that just the changing landscape and the colors up here are so special Um, and and the textures of the the mountains you know the rugged kind of feel of it I did a garden back in 2013 called a love letter to the west which was all about you know celebrating this area and and you know, just bringing a little bit of that to um, to the Phoenix Park at the time for, for bloom um, so yeah, that definitely it would be a huge part of how I design in how I combine grasses with perennials or, you know, a lot of kind of meadow feel style because the, the surrounding landscape here is very wild and grassy and the meadows this year have just been mental, out of control, huge. Yeah. And, and, and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. What, just to take it back to plants for a moment, um, what sort of combinations are you, because I know everything sort of goes through phases, but at the moment you're saying combinations of grasses and perennials. Mm. So just give us a couple of combinations that you're finding that are working really well that a listener could could try in their own garden. Yeah, so I mean, before you even start getting into specific plants, the first thing that I would think about when you're combining stuff is the impact that you want and the amount of maintenance you want to put into it. So in in the past couple of gardens, I've designed a good few gardens now here on the coast, which is a completely different thing again, you know. Um, And the way I've approached it, and it's it's become a really interesting approach for coastal gardens, for people who don't want a huge amount of maintenance, is to start with the concept of a gravel garden with gravel soil. So that you're, you're saying, look, you have a starting point, which is very forgiving. 
which is very, you know, you can bleed plants into, you can combine plants and let them do their thing and let them spread out themselves. And it's, a, it's I've, I've done it in the last three jobs, actually, that I've worked on. That's why it's in kind of the foreground of my mind, um, because it, it's all three have been kind of coastal gardens with rocks in them and things like that. Um, and the approach to, to, to the particular, the last one that I did, because it had the kind of boulders in it, was yeah. to start with something that because, you know, we all know it takes about three years for the plants to kind of really spread out um, if we don't buy them really big. So the yeah. idea of starting off with something like a creeping thyme as, you know, right beside the rocks at the forefront. Um, and there's loads of different varieties that you can get, you know, the variegated ones, the, the purples, the pinks. So dotting yeah. them in irregularly all over the place at the front um, and then combining them with something like at the very back of it, and the middle ground with something which is evergreen, such as creeping rosemary, um, the rosemarinus prostatus, or the normal rosemary towards the back of the border. So you have a starting point, which is evergreen. It'll survive the elements. It'll stand up to it. There's not a huge amount of maintenance in it. You've scattered them in, so they look irregular. They don't look too perfect. And then you've got a really good starting point to start adding in grasses. So, you know, you can add in your festucas or you can add in any kind of coastal style grasses, whatever you're drawn to, really. Um, I love yeah. the Stipa Gigantia, which, you know, oh, it's beautiful, is yeah. always great, no matter where you plant it, because it, you still get away with having perennials or plants in between because they're not too bushy. Um, and they are the evergreen kind of feel as well. So, that you know, they really add to that. And then you can have fun. So... You can add in, you know, your sedums or lavenders or whatever you're kind of drawn to, whatever you, you want yeah. to kind of add concept-wise, color-wise, your uh, red-hot pokers or, you know, the yellow kind of tangerine versions of the more beautiful in coastal gardens. Um, but again, I think that part then, once you have a certain structure, adding in the colors and the accents of achillea or geraniums or whatever you think matches your style and color scheme your yeah. chosen concept will be the biggest bonus because that's your you playing with color that's you playing with what you're drawn to personally you know yeah it's very good tips and and grasses are they're starting to become very utilized but they've been underutilized i think for quite a bit of time uh and it's lovely to see it's lovely to see designers now using a lot more of them over the last couple of years so and and it does yeah. give you that more natural feel and they're pretty much maintenance free once they go in so it's uh it's it's nice to see that being being implemented a little bit um yeah. bloom is back next year have you plans or have you thinking about it or considering it well i've always been you know hugely involved in bloom whether it is by having a garden there myself or writing about it i've written quite a few kind of specials and articles for the uh, sunday independent as well for it um I don't think I'll I'll take part in it personally mm -hmm. this year. Um, it's just been so busy, so crazy. Um, and I have a, a lot of plans with courses and things like that coming up. So, um, But I, I'll definitely be there writing and, you know, exploring and showcasing the, the designers that are going to be Brilliant. there. Um, speaking of courses, so garden design is one part of what you do. You ha you're also doing quite a bit of writing, as you've just alluded to, but you're starting, or you have created courses previously, but you have a new one, which is on sale now, but is not starting until February. So, and it's a really interesting one. It's design, grow, eat. And as you said yourself, there's a nice back story to that. And 
it's it's a lovely course and a nicely structured course. So maybe just tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, this this course is a really interesting one because courses have become a big part of what I've been doing over the past while with COVID, um, and of course the writing, as you mentioned too. And uh, one of the re- one of the um, articles I was writing took me for the I think it was the Sunday Independent at the time. time it took me down to West Cork, um, where somebody had told me about a woman called Mags Reardon from Bumblebee Flower Farm, which I'm sure a lot of people here know. Um, yeah, she's amazing, actually. Absolutely incredible flower farm, all sustainably grown, stunning dahlias. I mean, she has such a passion for what she does. So that was, you know, the, I hadn't been down to West Cork in ages, and it was during the first lockdown, actually, that I went down, uh, or just after, sorry, the first lockdown, just when they, yeah. you know, allowed us back out again. To travel, And yeah. it was my yeah. sort of my first staycation um, at home, and I was just like, yes, this is so amazing. And yeah. I stayed down at Eccles Hotel. And it turns out that uh, Mag supplied a huge amount of the flowers, the, the dahlias for the hotel. And then I got chatting to Eddie, um, Eddie Atwell, who's the chef in um, in the hotel, in Eccles Hotel. And he took me out to his garden and the whole hotel is surrounded by dahlias and by edible flowers and glass houses and polytunnels, sorry, with, with you know, amazing things that he's growing for his kitchen. And yeah. I was, you know, I was I, I was given a nine course tasting menu of his food and I was absolutely blown away because everything that he put in his food was so potent. You could taste the dahlia stems. You could take, you know, everything was incredible. So, you know, we spent a lot of time chatting and I talked to Mags and went to visit her at the farm. And then we all got together and we were like, look, we should do something together. Um, and at the time we kind of were just question mark, what what do we do? And then a couple of months later, we said, look, let's do an event together at the hotel where we all get together. We forage, we go fishing, we collect lobsters, we and then we cook it together and create something. We design a play, you know, a, a nine course or a 10 course tasting menu for guests um, to book wow. into the hotel and really use what West Cork has to offer in terms of, you know, wild food, the sea, the land, the local producers, and to celebrate that. And um, so we did that in October. Uh, we finally got that together this October. And uh, it was brilliant. It was an, a huge success. We had gorgeous visitors who just loved the courses. And it was my first experience to really kind of be in a kitchen, full on working, decorating with dahlia petals and, you know, using everything we'd foraged and the, the pressure of getting it all out and it was absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, it, lo- it looked it looked great fun, and it looked yeah. well, it looked delicious as well. Yeah, I was shattered um, afterwards. Well, I was. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, because it's um, it's it's pretty intense, and you're yeah. you're I, I guess you're trying to keep a lot of people happy, which yeah. it, it, at one time, which is a, a difficult a difficult job in itself. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about tasting the stems of dahlias. Mm. I didn't even know you could eat them. Yeah, um, exactly. Me neither. So apparently yeah. all parts of the plant are usable for cooking. So even even the tubers, wow. um, yeah. which uh, which I think uh, Mags and Eddie, both of them, when they mentioned it, shook their heads gravely and were like, no, 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 no. We don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're taking away next year's. Yeah, exactly. Next year's. Yeah. So, wow. But yeah, they, they, it was a great event. And I think it went down so well. People loved hearing the stories of every course and how all the flavors come together and how they grow and you know, how I use them in garden design and 
just it was a lovely coming together of minds um and we'll be doing yeah. another one of those as well um after the next course in uh, probably march Brilliant. Keep an eye out for that. Mm. And uh, it's an episode I'd like to cover actually sometime is edible flowers because, mm. well, I was I was thinking about doing it anyway, but that's after getting my mind running here in the background because yeah. I, I, I never, ever heard of anybody eating either the flower or the stem of Adelia. Yeah. So that's that's interesting to know what else I don't know about edible flowers. Oh, it's a whole different world, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And as you say, Mag's... Uh, She's doing phenomenal stuff there in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, what she's growing and how she's growing it and yeah. the energy she has for, for new products and, and, and bringing out beautiful things all the time. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this course is out now. Tell us a bit about the course, how it's structured and how it's set up and, you know, how, what people can expect if they, if they buy a ticket for it and sign on for it. So the idea really came from this, um, you know, working together with Mags and Eddie, and it was a very kind of organic, you know, meeting of minds. We realized that there were so many overlaps in what we do as, you know, from the design side to the growing to the eating. And it was really fascinating. And while we were doing the, co- the, the events and, you know, we were foraging, we were just kind of brainstorming going, how cool would it be to somehow figure out what our commonalities are and, and you know, bring that to people to help them create something themselves? Um, uh, in a very practical and very real way. And mm-hmm. what we kind of came up with was the idea of, well, the progression goes from, you know, the first thing is looking at what, what do we have to design the space? Um, yeah. No matter how big or small, there's something you can do to design the space. So that's, you know, as a designer, a garden designer, that would be my side of things where I'm saying that we're going to look at what you want from your space, how you want to structure it, um, the, the beauty aspect of it to make sure it fits into your, your garden space, you know, even if it is just yeah. a series of raised borders and doing that in a very practical way. So making sure there's templates for people that they can take away at the end that they can adapt, use in their gardens and, you know, have somebody build them, etc. So that's the first step. So that's the first hour of the course. It's a three hour online course. Okay. The second hour is growing with mags. So, She's going to take that idea of, you know, you, you've now looked at designing your space, how to incorporate it into your existing garden, and then she's going to take it and go, right, what are we going to grow? These are the things that we could grow that are edibles, that are, you know, that are that you can harvest, also pollinator-friendly. Um, and Mags knows so much about edible, edible flowers, as well as just, you know, plants from everything from yeah. rosemary, etc. So to have a good balance, of something looking beautiful in your garden and being edible and usable in the kitchen. And, you know, I think Mags is is really amazing with with that. She has just crazy amounts of knowledge about this. So, um, And then the third hour is with Eddie. So it's taking it to that final step where, okay, so you've designed your garden, you've grown your produce, and the idea is that by July, August, you have produce that you can use with Eddie's recipes. So um, Mags is going to give you a planting plan. You're going to be planting up that planting plan or something along those lines. And then, in you know, by the end of, or by towards the end of the summer, you have all these amazing plants um, that Eddie will show you, you know, recipes, ways of preserving them so that you have them throughout the year. You can use them into the next season from oils to syrups, etc. you know. So Brilliant. you have a bit of everything. You have the design, you have the growing 
and you have the the cooking, the eating um, at the end, which I think is a lovely progression from start to finish. Yeah, it's a brilliant progression, and and it's a it's a totally logical one. It's it's mm-hmm. hard to believe that actually there hasn't been that many courses in that way before that takes it from the setup through to the growing, and then the final part of it, which is you know why you do stages one and two, mm-hmm. uh, the the eating and the cooking of it. So it's it's a lovely progression, it. and yeah, yeah, exactly to enjoy it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a brilliant idea, Thank and that course that course I presume can be found on your website. Yes. That is up on my website and it's also on Eventbrite. So um, if you just put in design, grow, eat, it comes up as an online course. You just have to press the online course or um, it's on my website. It's on our Instagram, um, Eddie Mags and my Instagram as well. So you can find it everywhere. Just to take it back to the garden then Mm -hmm. a little bit. um, And I want to delve a little bit more into your well, it might not, might not be your tagline, but it's a line that caught my eye on your website. We create moments of joy mm-hmm. um, and the human connection with gardens. Mm. Maybe we'll delve into that a little bit more and what you mean by that and how how you design that in mm-hmm. and how people can actually get benefit from their garden. And I know a lot of people have talked about how the garden has helped them over the last two years. And there's that element of it. But there's also the if there, if there never was a pandemic, there is benefit in being out in nature and so on. So maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. Sure, yeah. So I think personally for me, um, that's crystallized more and more as as I work in the field of garden design. Is You know, at the start, you're kind of not treating it as a business, but you're kind of very clear-minded in where do I want to go with this? And, you know, what am I doing with this? And as as you go on, you go, well, why am I doing this? You know, what are the the purposes behind it? What do I want to bring to my clients? And I think particularly in the last couple of years, but as you say, in general, um, green spaces, wild spaces bring us moments of happiness. And that was just something that really crystallized for me was, why do I love my garden? It's because I go out there and I feel good. And it's as simple as that. You know, those moments in between stress or in between the school runs or whatever, creating Mm -hmm. that moment for yourself and going out there and going, this is where I go to get that headspace and to, to feel that little moment of joy. And that's where the joy came from because nature does bring you that. Even just watching a bee on a flower or a butterfly or just that aliveness of nature. um, I think so many people will agree is is actually what I would consider joy. Um, and I think my, my mother is actually a um, gestalt therapist, so a psychotherapist. So I think okay. I've always been interested in the thought processes behind things and how, you know, how our psyche reacts to things and how we feel when we go out into spaces. And I think I've always had that in my mind when designing for people. So looking at well how 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 do these people you know how do you live as a as a as a person in your house and, and how do you want to live you yeah. know do you currently go out to your garden and do you have those moments of joy in the space or is there something that we can do to enhance that and to make sure that when you go out there you just have that feeling where you go oh yeah okay now I'm where I'm supposed to be where no none of the stress can get me for even 5 minutes you know um, yeah, I think that's a that's a nice way of looking at it because, in my opinion, and yeah. it is only my opinion, a lot of gardens are designed, and people get them designed, mm-hmm. to be spectacular looking in terms of 
yeah. how their neighbour will look at it, how mm. the people they bring in for the barbecue will look at it. <laughs> and they're really missing out on that part of it, which is the actual joy they can get from it yeah. themselves. Yeah. Um, the emotional I, reaction, I, isn't it? It's, yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's a mixed mis- trick and we probably won't, you know, generally people won't become aware of it for a long time to come, I think. But mm. um, I, I do think it's critical. Yeah. And and I do think it's something that's been missed in certain designs that I see where it, it is really all about making the making the, the people com- that are coming in look mm. at it in envy, but really forgetting about the connection to it. And I, I think yeah. that is hugely important. And it's nice to hear to hear you talking about that. So, yeah, Thank well you. done on that. Yeah, I think the, I think it's back to the balance, isn't it? It's you know, you're always going to have an element of making it usable, functional, fit within the context of, of where you're living and the other yeah. gardens around your surroundings, making sure it works for you as a family, for entertaining. But then not absolutely, forgetting yeah. that as the core factor is it's mm-hmm. about you. It's about how yeah, you feel yeah. in the space. So you're right, that does get forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it surely has. And yeah, definitely over the last couple of years, I think people really have seen the benefit of nature and mm-hmm. gardens so long may it continue absolutely something really interesting that doesn't relate to gardening at all that i want to ask you mm. um i saw recently you posted something about um a petition t- that was correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. they, were, they were thinking about mm-hmm. or planning to look for gold in <laughs> leitrim yes <laughs> and I, I i was taken aback by it because i didn't actually think that there, there was any in Ireland per se, mm-hmm. um, but where is that at, or, or is it is it correct, or what's happening? Yeah, so apparently there there was um, a license. The it was, there was a license being sought to do gold and silver, I think, mining in Leitrim. Oh. Um, and it absolutely exploded around here. You know, everybody was talking about it. The Organic Centre got very involved in it. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a new group called Treasure Leitrim. Um, the idea of granting something like this would just be insanity in my opinion because you know i've seen what what any kind of mining can do in in germany where i'm from um mm-hmm. from ginormous you know hundreds of kilometers of craters of disappeared towns now this is coal mining i'm talking about in germany but you know gold mining is a dirty business so yeah when i saw it i, I was kind of the same as you i was a little bit speechless i was like that can't actually be true yeah, is that, that, that was my initial thought. You know, this is Leitrim. This is what the northwest of Ireland, our wild Atlantic way that we're celebrating um, as being, you know, the most special place in the world. And we're yeah. considering this. So yeah, I don't know where it's currently at. I must have a look at it now um, again. Yeah, it was, it was just interesting, as I say, not, nothing to do with gardening per se, yeah. but uh, I, I thought it was an interesting concept. Actually, where I live is, um, well, it's not far from, Castle Comer in County Kilkenny. It's County Leash, but it's mm-hmm. near Castle Comer. And it's um it's on an area called the Castle Comer Plateau. And in this area generally it would have been coal mining region years ago. Yeah. So I'm quite familiar with, you know, mm-hmm. how coal or any kind yeah. kind of you know, harvesting something from the earth yeah. leaves it's, its footprint. Yeah. And really strangely, back when I was quite young in primary school, because the association between oil and coal can be can be generally quite close. And an oil drilling company came in and drilled, did a lot of drill holes around here, thinking that there was oil, and potentially there was, I don't know. But 
uh, there was big excitement actually at that time because I suppose people were used to looking at Dallas on, on TV and the oil and, <laughs> and they were thinking this the could pump. be great for the area. But uh, I'm so glad that they didn't find enough to, to, to warrant, wow. you know, yeah. going into it because it, I think it would, as you said, destroy, destroy yeah. areas. Yeah, but I think I think Ireland is very good. And I mean, you know, we've seen with fracking, you know, we do kind of go, hang on, that's enough. You know, yeah. we, we do yeah. treasure our landscape so much. And I think we need to all be very aware of that and, and know we have a responsibility to protect it and not let it go to for, for money's sake, you know. And I think we'll, we'll all do the right thing in that um, that sense in the future as well. Yeah. You know, we're, we've all become more aware of that. And yeah. Yeah, hopefully. As I said, we've gone totally off topic there, but we just thought it was, <laughs> it was something interesting. <laughs> um, as we start to finish off, is there any other kind of big plans for you over the next over the next twelve months that you can tell people about, or is it uh, is it very much focused on the course and your design work for the moment? Yeah, so I think I'm going to keep it fairly simple. It's it's the design work. Um, I've been doing a lot of online design sessions with people, which has been a really interesting one. Um, you know, through the pandemic, it's it's kind of progressed to, to being very interesting that I've I've had one in New York, I've had one in England, you know, so it's, it's kind of, you know, made the world a much smaller place in a sense where if somebody likes your work, they can just go, hang on, I'm just going to book a quick consultation and chat to this person um, and get a bit of help. So it's not just local um, or national in Ireland based, which is really interesting and something I didn't expect at all. Um, yeah, brilliant. But just mainly the design work. Um, lots of online of course I think people are still very conscious of that and it's been working really really well and it's been very personal surprisingly you know you kind of think it's going to be strange doing things online but it's been really lovely um, and then of course the writing um, I'll be doing some of that um, and the courses which I'm really excited about and some more events we'll be doing another one at Echo so that'll be coming up after our next course it'll be linking to that so it'll be very exciting Brilliant. So exciting times ahead and lots going on there still. Yeah. Um, all of the, all of what you're doing, it can be found on your website. So tell people where they can find you, your website, your your Instagram and so on. Yeah. So it's just my name, leonicornelius.com is the website. Um, the business is called Wild Eden, but um, the, the website is just under my name. Um, and then my Instagram is just leone.cornelius. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well. So Super. So uh, it's, as I say, we're, we're getting towards the end here now. It has been a really interesting chat. Um, we went down a few avenues that I didn't <laughs> expect to go down, but uh, a really interesting chat. And I like your, your way of looking at garden design and, and the way you talk about it. And I suppose the outcome that you're trying to achieve for, for your clients is yeah. what really caught my eye. And I, and I like that. Uh, so. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and all the best with all your, your business endeavors over the next 12 months. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it, John. So that's been this week's episode. A huge thanks to Leona for coming on. A really interesting chat and definitely her Instagram and her website. Check them out. You will see, you know, what we talked about there, the influence that she, you know, that she has in her garden design where she's creating, trying to create these moments of joy for her clients. And I think that's something that we can all do in our gardens. and. I do think that that is and needs to be the most critical part of your gardening. If it, you need to enjoy it, you know, because that's what will keep you going back out there. And if you're not enjoying it and you're fighting against it too much, I think that's it becomes more of a chore than 
I suppose, a joyful chore. And, uh, you know, that's really where you need to be trying to get at. So um, we're on the run into Christmas now and I'll still be releasing episodes all the way through. Mightn't be active online, but I'll be definitely releasing episodes so you can still get your, your fix every Friday there. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's been this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, happy gardening. Mm-hmm.